This is the Heath in Pursuit podcast with Heath Hollandsby. Each week we'll have a conversation with various folks who are actively engaged in the pursuit of truth. This is a show where anything can be discussed and probably will. A podcast for the seekers, the dreamers, the restless, the hurt and the broken. This is a podcast for you. Welcome to Heath in Pursuit. Thank you, James Willard. Heath Hollinsby here. Welcome to episode number 30 of Heath in Pursuit. We're just going to keep on putting these out as long as people keep telling me that they like them. That is one thing that I really do appreciate about podcasting is, you know, I don't see a return on this financially or anything like that. I just, where I come alive is when people say, Heath, um, I've listened to your podcast and I live in this weird, you know, place that I've never heard of and uh, it's amazing. Or... I'm in Cambodia and I heard this podcast and it was really meaningful and it talked to me and that's just so bizarre. And so um, I'm grateful that we live in a day and age where communication allows us to be as international as that, but also it's strange that uh, some of the things that I'm thinking about here in you know, the Pacific Northwest are actually helping people around the world. So thank you for that. If you are a fan of the show or it's benefited you in some way, the only thing I ask is that you just leave me a, a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to, whether that be iTunes or Spotify or wherever else this show goes. But uh, yeah, leave an honest review. A couple stars, five stars are the best. That helps this show get out in front of some people. The little algorithm wizards inside your computers and your phones start paying attention to what you like. And meanwhile, it'll put you on other shows like this that people uh, listen to that you might never have heard of. So yeah, there's that. Okay, so uh, today we're going to talk about how to bend time. And this idea came from me on a walk earlier today, and I thought I could not go to sleep tonight without me at least saying a few things about how to bend time and putting it to tape. And so that's where this show comes from, and I hope it will be um, yeah, helpful to you. So um, I think there's a few things that actually, you know, let me say this first. I think there's a few things that actually led me to have such a revolutionary moment here with bending time. And um, one of those practices comes from a, a really dear friend of mine who was telling me about breathing techniques. And this person, you ever have those people in your life where you're like, you, you're close to some people, but then there's other people you just don't chat to that much, but there's like a really deep something there. It's like maybe you were married in your past life or best friends in your past life. Maybe you guys ran a business. There's just like this thing that is like, it's too familiar. You know, that's what this friend is to me. And this person was saying, I've been doing some breathing stuff and it's pretty amazing focusing on breath work. And so, um, I was like, yeah, I'm going to go for it. And I have, and it's brought a lot of change in my life for the better. I'm 38. And I would say that at this point, my life is at best, halfway over. I've hit the, you know, my iPhone battery is 50% and draining. Um, and I'm going towards expiration date fairly quickly, just like everyone else here on earth. Um, and I'm kind of curious, have you ever heard somebody use the phrase, don't let the future steal your present? Yeah. Talk about bending time. We'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, but at 38 years old, what I'm about to talk about is something that I wish I would have been told at like four, five, six years old and reminded every single year of my life. Something that I wish was like deeper ingrained into my psyche than it is. Um, and if I could start life all over again, 
and maybe I can one day. I think I, I think I would choose this to be one of the primary lessons. I think this should be taught in every school, home school or public school or private school or boarding school or school hard knocks. But yeah, so this concept is how do we not let the future steal our present and the importance of staying present. Time is one of the most basic examples of something that is actually socially constructed. Cultures often mark time based on important events that are relative to the belief system important to them, or political events that have uh, severely impacted them. And cultures, we tend to think of everyone operating on the same sort of example of time and year, but it's just not true because different cultures mark the beginning of New Year's at different times, and so they're actually in different years. So like a, according to the Buddhist calendar, it's the year 2560, and the Hebrew calendar, it's the year 5777, and in America, it's 2022. And what's crazy, if you hear some crunching in the background, I just groomed my dog, and so she's eating some cod fish roll. It's like dehydrated cod skin, and there's crackle. Even though I'm in a studio, I don't know if you can hear it. I can hear it in the background, and it's driving me crazy, but... Okay, so let's talk about where time zones and all that stuff came from. So on November 18th, 1883, so not that long ago, some of our great-great-grandparents were around before this, the first time zones were created. And that's because trains required individual towns to have a standard way of keeping time to be able to know when to be at a platform ready to board a train and to know what time it would be at a place when one arrived. And before that, cities actually kept their own local time. They kind of said, this is what works for us. And, and you know, we didn't have several time zones that we were communicating through. We didn't have business dealings overseas. We didn't have, we didn't have family all across the country. We kind of lived in the region and everything we knew was in the region close to what we were living in. And so the idea of time zones was kind of a revolutionary thing here in 1883. So cities were largely keeping their own local time. And most of, most cities weren't happy to have a big government and big railroads forced standardization on them. In fact, the people of Cincinnati, because Ohio has balls, uh, they even said, let the people of Cincinnati stick to the truth that is written by the sun, the moon, and the stars. That was a magazine in Ohio. Uh, not The people of Cincinnati, man, scrappy, and I love them. And they said, look, railroad companies, we're not going to bow to your standardization. Like, this works for us, and you know how it goes. They're all in time zones now. But most people don't really consider the concept of time. Uh, and, and even though they don't, there's nothing in the laws of physics to state that we should move in the forward direction that we actually are right now. Because the laws of physics are symmetric, which means that ultimately time could have e easily moved backwards as it does forward. Let that sit with you for a second, right? Yeah, we just see everything progressing forward, but equally as important is time could go backward in the same fashion. In the, uh, yeah, remember Einstein? Not just maybe being called, like, Einstein if you're super smart in school. Like, yeah, nice work, Einstein. But, like, Einstein had the special theory of relativity. And he determined that time is relative. So what he's saying is the rate at which time passes depends on your individual frame of reference. And then there's a collective frame of reference on top of that that determines a sub part of time. And those two not always shaking hands with one another. Einstein meant that time is relative and it's flexible. And the dividing line between 
what is in the future or what's in the past or what we're currently presently living in is actually all an illusion because reality is ultimately timeless. Now that sounds kind of strange, pretty bizarre, weird, I get it from the viewpoint of classical physics, but I am not a classical physicist. I am more of a, I don't know, spiritualist, I'm a mystic-y kind of guy, and so this sounds bizarre, this idea of time as an illusion is bizarre from a very scientific black and white world, but from the idea of like a consciousness or a spiritual lens, it actually fits perfectly. And I've said it before on this podcast, worry is focusing solely on the future and regret is focusing solely on the past. And the only thing that we have right now, the only guarantee is this moment that we're living in right this second. So whatever you're doing in the bathroom, taking a shower, driving somewhere, maybe on a walk, exercising, maybe you're out on a hike, maybe you're sitting by the beach, maybe you're, you know, driving home from a funeral. Yeah, this this moment that we have right this second, that is the only thing that we are guaranteed. And I'm kind of curious how you would answer this question. How much of your life do you actually miss by not living in the moment? Because for me, it's a lot. I would venture to say 98 plus percent of my life is either thinking about something coming at me in the future that might not actually happen or regretting how I wish I would have done something differently in the past. And so when I'm talking to you guys right now, this is not just like Guru Heath sharing some enlightened perspective that he's mastered. This is me going, I wish I believed what I'm telling you right now, because if I did, I'd live differently. And I and I do believe it, and I'm trying to, but it takes a while. So, how much of your life do you actually miss by not living in this specific moment? Now, don't get me wrong, there are plenty Plenty of reasons for us to have, like plenty of excuses for us not to live in this present moment. I mean, some of us have terrible pasts. Some of us have massive regrets. The what ifs, the what could haves, the it should have been this way. It could have been done differently. Yeah. And I'm sure most of us have an outlook on the future that's fairly grim, whether you're a glass half full or glass half empty person. There is a lot weighing on us right now. I mean, we've gone through years of not seeing each other's faces. We've gone through years of us thinking that one another is some like virus carrying monster. And that does something to us. We got Russia and Ukraine going crazy. We've got the talk of nuclear warfare. We've got aggressive inflation that's going to like really, really, really price out certain people. We've got possibly another wave of coronavirus coming at us. We've got the impending recession that experts are saying there's a one in third chance we're going to have a massive recession here in the next year. Like, these are all reasons for massive concern. And and why wouldn't we spend our mind in the future? And I'm not saying it's unwise to spend our mind in the future, but if that's where we live... Man, we have a lot of anxiety about things that we can't control or things that might not even ever come to surface. I want to tell you, there will always be those moments. There will always be time 
to fear. There will always be time to regret and to worry. There will be time to be anxious. Yeah. But the beauty comes in living in the moment. I want to tell you about a big change in parenting that helped uh, change a lot in my life, and especially, I think, my relationship with my kids. I found a lot of joy in in this thing that I did, and I'm going to tell you about it so it's not a total secret. But most of my life was parenting my kids to a certain thing. It was always parenting them away from hell or towards being a better kid or making the right decisions or why did you do that? That's not how people do that. That's not how people do things. But one weekend, as my faith was kind of starting to fall apart and, you know, I think it's, you know, I, I, I say it was starting to fall apart, but it's actually healthier now than it's ever been. It's just very different than what I was raised in. But I remember thinking, what if I didn't just parent my kids to something this weekend? What if I just actually lived in the moment with them? What if they made a joke and we laughed? And I could correct it if it was inappropriate. But like, what if we just laughed first because it was kind of funny? Or what if it wasn't always like, don't do this because of this? What if it was just me reacting to kind of life as it came and being present with my kids and not having to parent them towards that specific thing? And that was the most fun as a family I think our, we've ever had. I mean, that weekend had no agenda. It had no hidden purpose to it. It was literally living in the moment, reacting as like a nucleus, bouncing off one another. We were laughing. We were making jokes. We weren't stressed about getting somewhere at a certain time or things that we had to do. We just were together. And that was so different for me and I know some people listening are like what the heck what man what was life like in your house before that and it wasn't terrible it was just always it was everything always had double meaning and so this one weekend we're just like screw it let's just go and live and have fun and enjoy one another and man love covers a multitude of sins I believe that to be true I think that's what happened with me and my kids relationship that weekend now, um, yeah, and if you haven't done that yet, maybe try it. Could be a lot of fun. There's nothing to be scared of. Just do it. So, okay, a lot of people talk about becoming present in this world, and this is an idea to wrap your mind around. And it might be hard for some of you, and it's not something I don't think any of us can just go like, yeah, I got it. Listen, okay, next, what do we do? No, this takes time. It's got to. This has got to take root. This seed's got to sit in the soil of our heart and just grow for a while, develop some strong roots. But I think the best way to approach the idea of presence is to think about it in terms of awareness. So when you are present in the now, you're aware of what's happening in this current moment. So how do we, how do we stay present? Well, maybe the first thing is just to pay attention to what it is we're doing right now. So take a second, like, you know, if you can close your eyes, that's cool. Just be silent. Listen to what's going on around you. Are there birds? Are there loud cars? Are there sirens? Are there are there kids playing? Are there strange noises you haven't heard? Are there familiar noises that you forgot about that just always run in the background, like your fridge? Yeah. How do you feel? What do you What are you sitting in? Are you comfortable? Are you in an old comfy chair? Are you on a on a wooden stool that's kind of hurting you? Yeah, what's the smell in the air? Someone baking something? Is it the smell of like lilacs, one of my favorite smells, or jasmine, like 
maybe you're out on a walk right now and you just you just smell the most amazing smell. You walked by this like lilac, you know, and to stop, just stop, plant your feet for a second. You don't, you, you can afford to, to con, you know, give up seven seconds or 10 seconds to just close your eyes and breathe in that smell and listen to the birds chirping as you breathe that in. And that's what I mean about the awareness of who we are and what we're doing in a specific moment. Tony Robbins, who, um, you know, for many people, he's their flavor of ice cream. He's not my thing all the time, but he did say something I thought was really cool. He says, if you're in your head, you're dead. And what he's saying there is if you're not enjoying what's going on around you, if you don't enjoy what's happening right now, and instead you're wrapped up in what's coming tomorrow or your to-do lists or your worries or projects at school or at work or due dates or whatever it might be, then he would argue you're not really living at all right now. You're living in an altered kind of state. Yeah, if you're in your head, you're dead. That might be worth uh, printing out and putting in your car or in your wallet or you know, making a screensaver on your phone just to remind you, like, yeah, get out of your head here and there. Alan Watts, who's one of my favorite uh, favorite people in the world. He's dead now, but I never met him. I don't even think we lived at the same time, to be honest. I think he died right before I was born or well before. I don't even know. But he's like a he's like a sage-ish spiritual father to me. And he says that we are seeing then that our experience is altogether momentary. From one point of view, each moment is so elusive and so brief that we cannot even think about it before it's gone. But from another point of view, this moment is always here since we know no other moment than the present moment. It is always dying, always becoming past way more rapidly than imagination can conceive. Yet at the same time, it's always being born, always anew, emerging just as rapidly from that complete unknown we call the future. And thinking about it almost makes you breathless. Yeah, thanks, Alan. You're right, man. Eckhart Tolle, who's another one of my... Um, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right. I've read, I read his book and it blew my mind. Uh, he, he says this. He says, time isn't precious at all because it's an illusion. What you perceive as precious is not time, but the one point that is out of time, which is the now. That is precious indeed. The more you are focused on time, past, and future, the more you miss the now, the most precious thing that there is. And so I think there's an importance to staying in the present moment, to living in the present, living in the now. And a question I've got is how present are you? Can you step into and embrace this moment fully without clinging into any past or future expectations? Are you able to let go of any mental chatter going on in your head? Can you put your phone down and appreciate the sounds of the birds, maybe even the wind, the city noise around you? Are you aware of your breath, that in, that out, the, the like breathing in, taking in fresh air and letting it sit in your lungs and your body taking what it needs and then exhaling the carbon out? Like that is, yeah, that is mind-blowing. I remember about a week ago, ah, sorry, not a week ago, a month ago, I was in Sedona, Arizona doing some hiking with a family. And I'll talk about this here in a minute. But we were coming down from this hike, and I just remember hearing, I just felt like this sense that I needed to live in this moment because I wasn't going to get it back ever. And there was no noise. It was just pure silence. There was no jet noise. There was no low hum of a generator in the distance. There was no, you know, cars traveling on pavement. I was out in the middle of nowhere. 
and I heard the wind just blowing through the trees. And you could almost hear the wind like blowing across the red rocks of, of Sedona. And I remember stopping and closing my eyes and just, yeah, almost taking mental note that this is special and I'm never going to get this back. And that does something to stay focused on the present. So focusing on the now, it allows us to notice feelings too. It, it allows us to recognize uh, fear or anxiety or uncertainty or worry maybe. And maybe even happiness. Those are some dark sides, but maybe happiness and joy. Yeah, it transforms them into seeing each moment as a fresh experience. The present is a, is a constant arrival of new beginnings because it's here that we have the power to release what doesn't serve us. And we're actually able to be reborn at any time in the present. Think about that. You can embody anything you want or dream or wish or imagine in every new moment. Because as humans, that's all we have is the present, and it's all we really need. And I think that we're happiest when we're living in the present. Because depression often lives in the past, and anxiety often lives in the future. But calmness and peace of mind, yeah, that happens in this moment. It's not a fear looking forward. It's not a what if in the past. It's us just living and creating and embodying whatever we want in the here and now. And the crazy thing is actually the present is our natural state of being. Because when we're living in the present, in the here, in the now, we're not tied to the past. We're not tied to things we wish had turned out differently. We don't even think about that. We're not entertaining unnecessary anxieties about the future. Yeah, when we're truly present, we are welcoming the unknown in real time. We're happy in that moment to be alive, knowing that each moment is a gift. We flow with the current of life, whatever surprise comes our way. And the continuous arrival of the now, it actually allows us to recenter ourselves. Yeah, it allows us to act from a place of compassion and honesty and authenticity rather than reacting uh, like resistantly or with our arms up or with fear in our eyes. I think, I think there's many areas where we're able to do this uh, by focusing on the present where we're able to actually you know, bend time in a sense. So I'm going to give you a couple of them and maybe they relate to you, maybe not, but hopefully they do. Okay, so I was saying I was in Sedona a couple couple weeks ago, about a month ago. And I was having so much fun with my kids, right? Raising kids. I've been told my whole life, blink and it's gone. Blink and it's over. Don't, you know, you're going to miss these moments. Enjoy your time with your kids. And I do get that sentiment. I 100% understand it because I've experienced that already. My boy, my oldest is two months, less than two months from being, he's less than six weeks now, geez, from being a uh, teenager. And it goes so fast. I feel like we just found out we were pregnant with him the other day. But I'm curious if um, if if that mindset of like, you, you know, you're going to miss it. Hang on to it. You're going to miss it. I wonder if that just comes from people not living in the present. Though I get that sentiment. I don't think it has to happen like that. Because if you're in the present, you're with them. And you're enjoying making the present memories happen together. Like you're, 
your present parent engaged fully in the here and the now. You're growing with them. You're experiencing life with them. You're doing things together. You're not setting them up to have a great future. And I mean, of course, that's important. And don't like, well, Heath said live in the present, so we're not going to even think about the future or ever think about past mistakes. No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like, I wonder if time goes fast because a lot of people don't know how to be present with their kids. Or what about vacations? Because if you're like me, you're stressing about the end of it coming or looking back at how long you've been on it and you're not living in the moment. Right? So I'm in Sedona and I'm like, okay, I've got four days left of this and then we have to get back on the plane. I've got to go back and I have meetings and that's going to start up and I've got to get back in the normal thing. We've got to do you know, laundry as soon as we land so that we have clothes for the next day. And meanwhile, I'm missing this amazing opportunity to be present on vacation that I'll never get back with them. Yeah. Or maybe, have you ever been on a vacation doing something you really enjoy, but had that thought, I don't want this to be over? Or maybe in like, this is so fun, but soon it's going to be Monday and I'll be back at work. Well, this kind of thinking, it only really allows your mind to steal time from you right now. And in reality, the time's going to naturally pass anyways. Joyous and, and happy and glad occasions and experiences, those naturally come to a close. That's life. So don't feel as though you got to like speed up that process. No, slam the brakes on it. Live in the moment. Enjoy it. Be present. Be aware. Be conscious of the here, the now. Leo Babuda says, being present becomes then a way to handle any problem, any distraction, any stressor. It allows everything else to fade away, leaving only you and whatever you're dealing with right now. So why should we waste what we're currently able to engage fully because we're so focused in our heads either like tweaked back to our past or gazing into the future. Maybe we should just stop. Maybe we should go on a walk or lay in the grass and listen to the sounds around us. It's so easy to to blame technology as being the thief of the present. Because most of us don't even really know how to sit in the silence of the here and the now, right? I mean, how many of us... As soon as we get to a stoplight, it's grab our phone and check Instagram or social media. Like, we don't let our brains stall for a half second. Yeah. What if we left that behind and just go, I've got nothing going on for the next hour. I'm just going to lay out front in the grass and just look up at the sky and just be very conscious that I'm a mere human whose time is coming to an end and I'll never get this moment back. And, and pay attention to the sounds and the sights and the smells. Yeah, that will do something to you. That is good medicine. Are you anxious? Are you depressed? Push towards the present. It's not the end all. It's not the fix all. I'm not saying like, hey, it's going to fix everything. But I'm going to say it's probably not going to (laughs) hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah, Marcus Aurelius wrote, if you separate from everything you've done in the past, everything that disturbs you about the future, and apply yourself to living the life that you are living, that is to say the present, it's then that you can live all the time that remains to you until your death in calm, benevolence, and serenity. Okay, so let's talk about a few ways to be present. Uh, one way to practice present moment attention is to let go of the past and the future. We've talked about this. The guiding principle is hardly subject to debate. We are all spending a lot of our time obsessing about the past and worrying about the future. Regrets, um, 
worry, replaying things, anticipating things, making plans, falling into fantasies, daydreaming. If we can learn to, to drop and stop such characteristic moves, I really do think that our world can become like a friendlier place and we can live without all those judgments and those desires and things like that. I think another way to attend to the present moment is to cultivate full appreciation of the rich experience available in each moment. So when you eat, stop and savor that meal. Thank the earth for providing it. Be grateful for the life that was given so you can enjoy that steak tonight or that, you know, grilled chicken or the cheeseburger on the grill. When you're in conversation, be present. Live in the moment. Don't be out on your phone. Don't be thinking about, oh, I got to text this person back. No, when you're when you're with someone, be fully there. I remember a man I used to really admire that said, wherever you are, be fully there. That was his motto. And when he was with you, he was never on his phone. He was never, he was never anywhere else other than that conversation with you in that moment. That's a good practice for us to put into play. Another thing I think that we could do is um, stop trying to connect the dots of our life as if it's a, a perfectly planned out thing. So, uh, like, if you're concerned about how your schooling isn't, you know, what you went to school for isn't actually what you're doing for a job like me, like, I got my doctorate in semiotics and future studies, and I'm not doing anything with that right now. Well, stop trying to connect the dots and instead appreciate the unique story that your life is writing. It doesn't need to make sense. And it's only typically in hindsight that we look back and go, man, what an amazing ride that was. I could not have planned it any better myself, but it was so fun. Did it make sense? No, not at all. Uh, again, Alan Watts has a saying uh, where he says, for some reason we've fallen into this trap that like everything in the universe is going somewhere and it's not. He, he argues that the universe is actually playful. Like there's no real purpose. It's just kind of existing and having fun and doing its thing and creating some weird looking animals and and we're all okay. And yet something about humans is like, no, you got to get, you know, you got to get uh, motivated, do really well in school, go to a good college, get a good job, save a lot of money so that you can retire and see the world while you're like kind of hobbling towards the last few years of your life. And and then you die and then that happens again. And he says like, that's just not how the world works. It'd be the equivalent of like a dancer walking into a ballroom, like a ballroom pointing to a spot on the floor saying, that's where I'm going to end this dance that I'm about to perform. Or like you going to a concert and the band just playing the last crescendo of, you know, of the encore because that was the best part of the show. No, the universe just doesn't work like that. We all think we're going somewhere. No, get out of that trap. As if we're really in control of this anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, us putting our anxieties and our fears and our attentions into controlling so much. How, how's that going for you? Not not well for me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to end it with this. Um, bending time. One of my favorite, you know, I'm a, I'm a spiritual kind of thinker. I, I want to give my life to making spiritual things seem appealing to people because I find it massively appealing to me. And there's a book of the Bible. My favorite book, actually, is called The Book of Ecclesiastes. And according to rabbinic tradition, it was written by King Solomon in, like, towards the end of his life. He was pretty old at this point. Now, King Solomon, super rich, richest man that's ever lived, right, at the time. I don't know where he would, like, compare to, like, a Musk or a Bezos now, but, like, yeah, 
really rich and super smart. They say the wisest man that's ever lived, King Solomon here. Uh, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So yeah, think of a concubine as like an old school booty call. They're just there for like, yeah, you had a few drinks and it's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, that's a concubine. 300 of those on top of his 700 wives. So like, maybe not the smartest guy in the world, but he had everything he needed. And he wrote really honestly. And so I'm going to just leave this podcast with with me reading uh, the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, because I think there's some real beauty in this. And I think it can help frame what we've been talking about so far today. Here we go. There's an opportune time to do things, a right time for everything on earth, a right time for birth and another for death. A right time to plant and another time to reap. A right time to kill and another to heal. A right time to destroy and another to construct. A right time to cry and another to laugh. A right time to lament and another to cheer. A right time to make love and another to abstain. A right time to embrace and another to leave. A right time to search and another to count your losses. A right time to hold on and another to let go. A right time to rip out and another to mend. A right time to shut up and another time to speak. A right time to love and another to hate. A right time to wage war and another to make peace. But in the end, does it really make a difference what anyone does? I've had a good look at what God has given us to do. Busy work mostly. True, God made everything beautiful in and in its time, or in itself and in its time. But he's left us in the dark so we can never know what God's up to, whether he's coming or going. I've decided that there's nothing better to do than go ahead and have a good time and get the most out of what we can of life. That's it. Eat, drink, and and make the most of your job. It's God's gift. I've always concluded that whatever God does, that's the way it's going to be always. No addition, no subtraction. God's done it, and that's it. That's so we'll quit asking questions and simply worship in holy fear. Whatever was, is. Whatever will be, is. That's how it always is with God. God's testing us. I took another good look at what's going on. The very place of judgment, corrupt. The place of righteousness, corrupt. I said to myself, God will judge righteous and wicked. There's a right time for everything, every deed, and there's no getting around it. I said to myself regarding the human race, God's testing the lot of us, showing us up as nothing but animals. Humans and animals come to the same end. Humans die animals die. We all breathe the same air. So there's really no advantage in being human. None, because everything's smoke. We all end up in the same place. We all come from the dust. We all end up as dust. Nobody knows for sure what the human spirit rises to heaven or that the animal spirit sinks into the earth. So I made up my mind that there's nothing better for us men and women than to have a good time in whatever we do. That's our lot. Who knows if there's anything else to life? How cool is that chapter? I'd encourage you. Ecclesiastes 3. Yeah, go read that one. Chew on that a little bit. So I made up my mind that there's nothing better for us to do than to have a good time in whatever we do. That's our lot. That's what we're guaranteed. So my takeaway is time is a precious commodity. Don't live in the past. Don't 
don't bend back to the past. Don't bend towards the future. Don't be anxious about everything that could maybe possibly happen. Anything could happen. You could get hit by a meteor. Your neighbor could have a pipe burst. It could be a windy night and the tree falls on your house and kills you all. And instead you were worried about like an upcoming test two years from now and how to make plans on how to get to graduate school and like the, the path that way. Nah, it's not worth it. Don't mentally rush through life. Don't wish it away. Savor every moment, even those moments of boredom, because they too will pass. And the moment that we're living in right now, yeah, breathe that in. Be mindful of it. Because we'll never, ever, ever get it back, whether it be good or bad. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Heath in Pursuit podcast. We look forward to being back with you next week. For more information on the various works of Heath Hollandsby, please visit heathinpursuit.com.